We encourage you to hit the subscribe button right now so you can listen to more podcasts of Operation Truth. Ladies and gentlemen, we do want to hear from you, so we encourage you to email us directly at operationtruthofficial at gmail.com. I want you to know that your messages are likely to be heard, addressed, and listened to on air. Operation Truth, the show they don't want you to see. Now, here's your host, Lou. Hi, everyone. My name is Lou Palumbo, and with me, as always, is my colleague, collaborator, and co-host, Tom Fuentes. I remind everyone of Tom's distinguished background, former FBI agent, assistant director, very distinguished career worth looking into. And it's also why he's capable of speaking to so many issues, both foreign and domestic, uh, so intelligently and, and without bias. He's experienced quite a bit, to be honest with you. And We've gone into it before, probably will brush up against it today, things like the fact that he ran the uh, international operation for the FBI, it was either like 60 or 80 countries, some ridiculous number, um, was involved in many, many different projects with the Bureau, and uh, he's, he's just got a tremendous amount of insight and knowledge. He's also an historian, and what became really interesting at one point is that Tom and I have spoken about the Kennedy assassination. And Tom has a lot of interesting insight as to what potentially transpired because there seems to be a reluctance to really let us know what actually happened that day. I'm not sure why that might be, but it's the problem. And uh, we both have acknowledged the fact that it was the loss of the innocence of this country and it's lent itself to an explanation as to why so much has gone questioned. You know, there seems to be a real credibility issue, even in discussing topics that we're dealing with today, such as this uh, issue in the Middle East. You know, you turn on the media, you don't know who to believe, and we shouldn't be in that state. I want to start out by bringing up this border issue, which just continues to hamstring us. We not only do the American public and our cities a disservice, but we do these migrants a disservice because Tom and I and the producers of this show, um, T.J. Stone and Brian Williams and even others have spoken that we lack enough assets to properly facilitate their access to the country. And a big part of that discussion deals with vetting. We don't have enough people to vet them. We don't have access to information uh, regarding their backgrounds. It's just not available oftentimes. We're finding that they're switching identities two and three, four times in the form of driver's licenses and birth certificates. I have a simple solution for everyone entering the country, which I'm sure will Appall many, but it happens to be a solution to this problem. We take your DNA and your fingerprints. Tom and I can tell you they've had ours for decades and decades and decades and decades and decades. I don't want to volunteer any more decades. It might tip you off to something <laughs> else. <laughs> In any case, um, that's one one level of addressment and a potential solution and help regulating responsibly who comes into the country because we need a migration issue. That's the truth of the matter. Having them come here and sleep on our sidewalks or on cardboard boxes on 45th Street and Madison Avenue is not what I believe their expectation was, nor ours. And if you listen to Eric Adams, and I'm about to brush up against another Eric Adams discussion that Tom is going to uh, speak to. It's an interesting discussion. But he's claiming it's going to destroy the city of New York. And he's not lying. And it's going to be in the form of finance. Um, I've informed people that 
an well overdue raise for the police department. Police officers and sergeants and lieutenants and detectives and the superior officers has finally come into play. Police received a 24% increase in pay, compounded by the fact that the city is allegedly paying $8 million a day to support illegal immigrants. We have something else. We're now dealing with daily demonstrations by people that are pro-Palestinian, anti-Semitic, which is further taxing the city. That's overtime, ladies and gentlemen. These are not individuals that are covering these uh, civil demonstrations, for lack of better terminology, that are, you know, during their regular tours. Some of them are. They take them from commands. They strip the commands of personnel at times, which is not the best thing to do. And then they have a lot of officers on overtime. A simple question, where are we getting the money? We're going to bankrupt this city. And as Eric Adams says, we're going to destroy it. But guys, in a bigger sense, at the way we've managed the borders, and there seems to be a lack of morality attached to this exercise, we're going to destroy the United States. We've let in over 10 million. They say 6 million, 7 million, 8 million. Trust me when I tell you it's over 10 million because they conveniently neglect to mention the fact that the the most serious form of violation of our immigration laws has always been uh, committed by individuals that overstay their visas. We don't hear that number any longer. And they really don't want to talk about what's going on on the northern border. So I comfortably tell you 10 million people. The same way I comfortably tell you we have 360 million people, which is more than doubled. Actually, it's over 200,000 since um, my birth date, ironically, and and uh, doubled since John Kennedy was the president, which was 180 million people during his administration. You have to manage it. You have to be able to facilitate and fulfill needs. We're not able to do that, guys. I don't know if anybody's paying attention in Washington, D.C., as they have these rather convoluted agendas that do not serve the public, but we're overpopulating the country. Now, with that being said, we have other issues in regards to the population of the country, and that's trying to get people to come to work. The pandemic and the manner in which it was managed didn't help. You know, people are reluctant to come back to work because for two years they demonstrated the fact that they could efficiently operate from home, which means they eliminated travel time, increased costs in gasoline, which you've experienced since this administration began and the president, you know, decided to shut down the Keystone Pipeline. It just goes on and on. And what I really find so interesting in this conversation is there's just a lack of morality attached to everything that we're doing today. The manner in which the borders are being handled, this impunity that the criminal element operates with in our major cities. You know, I hear them, I hear them talk about our foreign policy and this withdrawal from Afghanistan, which was just, according to the State Department, a big mistake. But what people don't talk about, which is probably most egregious, is all the women and young girls we left behind that we promised they would have a voice in a different path in life. We yanked that rug right out from under them. That's a moral issue. Was it immoral to leave $85 billion or all these billions of dollars of weaponry there? Yeah. Was it immoral to shut down this air base Bagram? Maybe. I don't know, guys. But what we did to the to the populace there was wrong. What we did to people who supported us there, people that worked as our interpreters and acted as agents for our government, whether they collaborated with CIA or any other number of intelligence groups or military groups. We left them out in the cold, folks. That's all there is to say. It's a morality issue. You know, what we've done with this economy today, there's a morality issue. We're destroying the disposable income of many people in this country. 
You know what you notice about this show? This is not a show to fluff piece you. You know, we don't bring on Mike Tyson, no disrespect to Mike Tyson or any number of these other characters and talk about things that to be at, at really at pointed to you at the end of the day are not that important. We're trying to talk to you about things that are going to redefine the future of this country and most importantly, destroy the future of our children. But I want to go into this whole discussion with Eric Adams since I brought him up initially and, and the fact that we're going to in totality destroy New York City. There's something else going on here, though, that I want to ask Tom to kind of give us some insight on. Now, recently came to my attention that Eric Adams has suddenly become the focus of an investigation regarding campaign finance. Tom, can you give me a little further insight as to what is going on? Very interesting, Lou, that uh, prior to this recent development of him being investigated, as long as he didn't criticize the Biden administration too much, especially by name. Now, he said, we're a sanctuary city when he first took office. Everybody's welcome. But gradually, he starts to realize that it's ruining his city, uh, breaking the bank of the New York City government. And suddenly, he starts becoming more critical. And finally, he becomes so there's no ands or maybes. The border has to be secured or his city is going to go bankrupt. Now, President Biden pays a trip to New York City a couple of weeks ago and doesn't even call the mayor as a protocol. Even if the mayor's in a different party, you, you as the president, would contact his office, do a photo op or whatever. Doesn't even do that. So Biden goes to New York City and he leaves. And meantime, Eric Adams, who now has become extremely critical of Biden, suddenly he's under investigation, just like if he was a Republican. It's amazing. So they go after him for accepting campaign donations from the government of Turkey, who wants to put in a consulate. They're having trouble administratively opening a consulate in New York. And suddenly uh, Eric Adams, the FBI, has to seize his phone and his computers and go after him and his campaign manager. And it all comes up recently within the last couple of weeks. And, oh, yeah, he was uh, critical of President Biden. What a coincidence. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Joseph M. Wanted with the Constitutionalist Politics. Tune in for the upcoming episode for May 4. Issue, never the issue. As well as, yes, Peter Serafin, Rosemary Downer, Don Gallade, Gista the Rapper, Cy Young, Jason Perry, and upcoming Jack Hagar, Andrew Thorpe King, Trent Rock, Ed Temple, Chris Morehouse, and more. Please tune in to Constitutionalist Politics. God bless. You know, Tom, you, you hit the nail right on the head. Once he put himself on the radar screen as far as being unreceptive to this administration's border policy, things shifted. Unfortunately, I've heard things prior to this regarding um, the mayor and another gentleman in the administration by the name of Banks. But I think that this could snowball. Um, you and I both know, I think a couple of days ago, the FBI came in and seized his um, phones and his computer. But Tom, I do want to ask you this, sir. How certain are we that he did, in fact, receive contributions from Turkey 
regarding his campaign efforts. Do we know that factually? No, we don't have to be certain. We only have to know it's an allegation. He's been accused of it. And as part of the investigation, sure, it would be normal to get his phone, to get his computers, to get his iPads, whatever, any devices, to see what records there may be in there of communications that he had with officials from that uh, that country, which would represent representing being a representative of a foreign government without registering. The FARA violation, which, by the way, how many years in prison did Manafort get sentenced to for having done that with the Ukraine? He was a representative of a foreign government, went to prison until Trump pardoned him and he got out. So when essentially the accusation is pretty much the same violation, except it's under investigation. So you can't fault that they would investigate if the allegation came up. What I'm saying is, if he was a still loyal Biden supporter, they wouldn't have this investigation. That's my point. We have a, a two-tiered justice system that they'll go after political enemies, but not political supporters. You know, Tom, I'm, I'm wondering how many um, mayors of cities are Biden prepared to go after his administration? Because Interestingly enough, the loudest voices in regards to um, the immigration policy are coming from Democrats suddenly. I mean, like Chicago's up in arms. It's it's populace there is up in arms. Um, they're starting to see their city take care of illegal people in their city, kind of like New York and other places. Excuse me. <clears throat> and they're, they're well, neglecting. They are up in arms about it, Lou. But the thing is, are they calling out Biden specifically? Mr. President, this is your policy, and your policy is ruining our cities. They when are, you hear Tom. That, when you hear that, suddenly the FBI will be after them. Well, Tom, you're probably right about that, but Pritzker, the governor, has been critical of the border policies. And there's something else I want to have a little clarification on, because in a conversation with Tom, I kind of misspoke, and I want to tell you how. Um, I mentioned the fact that the, the governor in the state of Texas, Abbott, uh, wanted everyone to share in his misery. And Tom pointed out something very interesting in that conversation that I neglected to remember. And Tom, what was that about? Who's also facilitating well, the, the movement of migrants? The is that Abbott in Texas and uh, DeSantis in Florida are shipping illegal migrants to northern cities, to Democratic cities, let's say, which is just about every big city is a blue city. But the reality is that as immigration encounters these migrants, they ask them, where would you like to go in the United States? Oh, I'd like to go to, you know, the Martha's Vineyard. I'd like to go to New York. I'd like to go to Chicago. They get a plane ticket to go there. Initially, it was bus tickets to go to Martha's Vineyard. And then people of Martha's Vineyard call out the National Guard and had them take it out and put on military bases. But currently, current policy is that the migrants are given a plane ticket to the city of their choice and cash and phones to go. And it all depends where they want to go. It's up yeah, to it's, them, but it's not the governor sending them now. It's the federal government paying their transportation to go there. The change from currency systems to fully digital cashless societies has intensified fear around the world. In mid-September, Wells Fargo and Truist Banks planned major layoffs as an impending 2024 recession has been predicted by many economists. 
Many analysts are predicting silver will hit an all-time high in 2024. That's why you need to own silver as a hedge. Green energy demand will possibly turbocharge silver prices to 50, 100, even 300 an ounce, according to many experts around the world. Silver is a proven hedge against inflation. Since 1971, silver has returned over 11% when averaged yearly. Hard Asset Management is a trusted leader in precious metals and rare coins for nearly 40 years. We have the guaranteed lowest prices, fast and easy ordering, expedited shipping, with award-winning customer service available 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. CST, Monday through Friday. So protect yourself from the chaos. Invest in stability with Hard Asset Management. Call now and get your free Hard Asset Management information kit on how easy it is for you to own silver. 844-426-4653. Free delivery and extra silver with every $10,000 bought. Use promo code 007. And and guys, I do want to remind you of something that took place in New York up in Westchester Airport, which I am very familiar with. We had plane loads of migrants landing in the middle of the night, disembarking. People from air traffic control there didn't know about it. The local law enforcement agency, the Westchester County Police Department, didn't know about it. And they were just coming in. And guys, let me be clear about something. We need a migration policy in the country, but the criteria to facilitate that cannot be swimming the Rio Grande. Tom and I actually, just so you guys know, we're looking for backers. We want to go to Mexico and start giving swim lessons, selling some boogie boards, surfboards, and maybe a couple of kayaks. So if we can get some money to help us, Tom, we're going we're gonna to diverse and shift into another line of work. This is absolutely ludicrous. And as again, I mentioned to you, there's a lack of morality here because people are losing their lives. Tom, I do want to ask you about something else, about this issue of operational control at the border. What what insight or opinion do you have as to what, what's transpiring in regards to that? Right. It came out later that, of course, the administration was lying. They were transporting migrants, trying to hide it by landing in the middle of the night with unmarked aircraft in northeast cities or counties. So that was, that was uh, you know, debunked that they lied, like, like they often lie. Now, later... What I was starting to say or, or thinking about was that Gavin Newsom have, has discovered how to solve the migrant problem, how to get the tents off the street, the feces and the needles and the other debris off the sidewalk. Invite the president of China to visit your city and miraculously it'll be cleaned up. So if these other cities, if Eric Adams and these other mayors in these other cities in the north would invite the president of China and talk him into coming to visit, then miraculously all these tents would disappear. All these migrants on the sidewalk would disappear. The crime on the streets would disappear. That's the answer. Interesting theory. I do want to go a little further in this discussion about the migrant issue, and in particular in New York, because New York's my home. I'm born and raised in the city. I attended grammar school, high school, and college in the city, 16 years of Catholic school, interestingly enough. the mayor exercise, uh, engaged in this exercise of trying to shift or relocate some of the migrants from New York City to contiguous counties like Nassau <laughs> County, for example, and even Suffolk County. And they addressed it immediately. The response from the uh, county executive, Blakeman from Nassau County, was an interesting one. You're a, you are a sanctuary city. We are not a sanctuary jurisdiction. You may not send them here. Suffolk County did the same thing. The next move by the mayor in the city of New York was to contact 
the Governor Hochul of the state of New York and try to convince her to compel the other counties to take migrants. That didn't work either. But, you know, guys, as I say to you, the loudest voices are from the side of the Democrats, you know, and I. What was that in the background there? Okay. Go ahead. That's all right. And any, and any I, have a large, I have a large group of spectators who paid admission to come hear me speak to you. So they get so, a little out of hand every now and then. So let us know how many so we all get a piece of the action. Okay, Tom, while well, you brought this. You're, like you're, a couple hundred. I'll, I'll take whatever hundred you can throw at me. In any case, um, I think that this conversation regarding the, the border policy, the positioning of 10 million illegal immigrants in the country has not come to an end. Um, I do want to bring up something regarding um, what's taking place in our major cities like New York, uh, London over the weekend. They claim that there were 300,000 people that participated in a demonstration that was anti-Semitic in nature and I guess subsequently pro-Palestinian. There's something I want to point out to everyone and I want to preface what I say next by telling everyone I don't have time to hate you. Not because of your size, your weight, the color of your skin, your ethnicity, your religious domination, your culture, or your lifestyle choices. I just don't have time, guys. I do have time to tell you the truth. And this is something that I bumped into that I think other people have bumped into. And I spoke with Tom about this. Someone please explain to me another religious et uh, entity in the, in the world today that has an extreme element attached to it, radical, that calls for the destruction of the United States, Western civilization, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's not Judaism. It's not Catholicism. It's Islam. There's a radical element attached to it. Now, I want to say something, and you need to be very, very smart about how we navigate people here. It doesn't lend itself that everybody who professes Islam or practices Islam, to say that more intelligently, or as a Muslim der derivation, is bad. That's not the case. You know, sadly, when we had the pandemic, everybody got upset with people from China. The people here, I have a lot of people in New York. New York's an interesting place. We have everybody from all over the planet. And you learn to develop, you know, you develop a comfort level with them. I have friends that are Asian, Jewish, Catholic, Puerto Rican, short, tall, short, straight, gay, lesbian. I don't really care who you are. I just kind of jake you as you... You kind of come to me and I and I deal with you accordingly. Nobody gets a pass because you're a, a white Anglo-Saxon male, and, you know, and you commit a crime and you do something stupid. You know, the accountability is the same, which is really a big part of the backdrop of the show. Whether, whether people who listen to the show or watch the show understand, Tom and I, our views would be the same if these were Republicans we're referring to or Democrats. That's just how it is. Because the agenda here is quite simple. It's about the future of this country and subsequently the future of our children, which we're just pissing to the wind, ladies and gentlemen. You can sit there and be distracted by your iPhone generation or your flat screen TV or your vacations or the car you're driving or this misnomer or myth about transitioning to electric cars, which I'll tell you just very quickly, these electric cars are working out great. They had over 200 fires in the city of New York last year. You almost can't extinguish them. Keep selling us electricity. Let me get back on point, though. This is about telling you the truth. We don't want you just to accept everything we say is the truth. We'd like you to fact check us. We don't want to spoon feed you like Fox, MSNBC, and NBC, and ABC, and CBS, and NBC. All of them would do. 
We want you guys to have something to think about, food for thought. That's really what this is about here. I said to the last time I believe we were on air, we need to expand this, this platform so we have a show, so we can develop a viewership and get people some alternative to this craziness you're living every day and this emotional battering with negative information. Now, there is a lot of negativity attached to the truth. That's why we don't like it. But you have to embrace the truth if you're going to go forward. Then you'll see some light at the end of the tunnel. We're doing none of the above. But these pro-Palestinian demonstrations, for example, please take a good hard look. We're burning the American flag. Yeah. Do they think burning yeah. our flag is going to have some type of impact? I'm going to leave. Do they, do they believe that burning the American flag is going to have some impact on our foreign policy or deter Netanyahu from pursuing Hamas in, in Gaza? It isn't, guys. All you're doing is disrupting and taxing the cities and our country further. And my attitude is kind of simple, and this is across the board, Irish, Italian, Latino, Catholic, Islam, I don't care who you it is. I don't care what country you have allegiance, allegiance to a loyalty. If you love Palestine so much, go back there, period. That's how I feel about this. And I want to brush up on something else with this thing with this congressperson or this so-called congressperson to leave. She was censored. I don't know what that means. What does that mean? She doesn't get ice cream after dinner tonight? This is really simple. She's naturalized, just like Omar. Both of them should have their citizenship taken and deported. They come here and they spew anti-Semitism, which lends itself to violence any way you slice it. It's like they try to tell you, like, you know, if you're selling pot, that's not attached to, to murder. Yes, it is. Any controlled yeah. substance that you traffic translates to somebody buying the farm at some point in time. Anytime you get on the network, right, that you're afforded an opportunity to speak on, you start spewing anti-Semitism or this agenda that's completely distorted in reality. They don't even want to listen to the truth, even when you can show it to them. They say a picture's worth a thousand words. We still rebuff, and we still go out there and incite. Incite is incite. Is that what our elected officials were, were brought here to do? Is that why Tlaib and Omar came here, to undermine this country? You don't love this country? It's very simple. Leave it. If you find so much fault with it, Go back to where you came from. We know how you got here, too. Some of our presidents thought it might be a great idea to bring people in from Somalia or other places, you know, to give you a future, which we're happy to do. But this whole attitude you have towards this country is just inexcusable. If you do not love this country, if your loyalty and your allegiance do not lie with this country, first and foremost, go back to the place that you think you want to embrace. Because it sure is in America. And I would say this to any representative. For whatever reason, Tlaib and Omar, among others, are on a roll here. And I listened to Joy Reid and, and Stacey Abrams and Letitia James and everybody rubber stamp this nonsense. Guys, pull your heads out of your hineys and take a look at where you are. And let me say this to you. Keep pushing in the direction you are. You're going to have a country you're not going to be able to speak in. Please pay attention, folks. This country is slipping through our fingers. And I'm not saying that to, to be dramatic. I'm trying to prompt you to get off your high knees and start to pay attention to what's going on and get out and vote. And as I've said to you before, content with the borders, vote for the party that embraces that border policy. If you're content with the, the lack of uh, enforcement of the law in your major cities, this indiscriminate way that criminal element can conduct itself, vote for that party. If you think what we did in Afghanistan was okay, support that party. You know, if you, if you think your economy is in good shape, support that party. 
And I'm not a Republican. If these were Demo uh, Republicans, I'd be saying the same damn thing. Tom, uh, do me a favor. Give me a little insight as to this whole thing in the Middle East and this whole pro-Palestinian pro move in the country based on your, your perception. I'm not sure specifically what you're asking. Well, what do you think is going on right now as far as these this movement in our country that is so heavily anti-Semitic? And all of a sudden, I'm I every time I turn around, I'm, I'm bumping into people that are supporting Palestine. And they're all not Palestinians, by the way, Tom. A lot of them are United States citizens that I just think are grossly misinformed yeah. as to exactly what took place with Hamas. And guys, let me say one of the things that's very important. Separate Hamas from the rest of Palestine. Because I guarantee you, the majority of the people in Palestine are just like Americans trying to get through the day. That's where I was going with this question to you, Tom. Okay, you have, you know, a number of Palestinians embedded with them or part of them are Hamas. And Hamas is running Palestine right now. But part of that goes back to Israel left. You know, they were governing Palestine and they just took their troops and people out of there about 2006, back in there, and said, okay, Palestine, you can govern yourself. And Hamas rises up and gets elected by them to be their representative. So that's your representative government, a terrorist organization. Now, you know, all, all of this talk about anti-Israel or anti-Semitic, it's not all anti-Semitic. You know, many people, even Jews, don't like what the regime in Israel is doing, or they think they're over-retaliating against Palestine or Hamas or or committing war crimes there or whatever. And many of them are Jewish. So some of this hatred is against Jews. That's been going on for a couple thousand years since the Jews got blamed for killing Jesus 2000 years ago. But some of it is the actual government or state of Israel and the policies that they have that are not Jewish policies. They're Israeli you know, the government of Israel, Netanyahu right now, for example, extremely militaristic. And some are accusing them of overreacting uh, based on the uh, October 7 attack. So there's a little bit of a of a uh, controversy about who's who's in charge or where, where this came from or the movement and what's been going on in Palestine for the last 20, 30 years or longer. Now, it's interesting, Hamas's origin really they kind of emanate from the Muslim Brotherhood, which had come to power prominence in Egypt. And later the Egyptian, you know, they have a coup and basically evict them, get out of here, we don't want you. And that's why now Egypt has the border guard against with Hamas, with Gaza, I should say, and they won't accept Palestinian refugees. Egypt has said flat out, we're not taking any of them. Because we wouldn't know who's Hamas and who isn't. We don't want them coming back to power in our country, being a threat to our country. So you keep them. Now, during 1973, 50 years ago, when they were having the uh, Camp David Accord with the head of Israel, Menachem Begin, and the head of Egypt, Anwar Sadat, Begin tells Sadat, we'll give you Gaza. And Anwar Sadat says, not on your life. We don't want them. And now the other neighboring countries, like Jordan and like uh, Lebanon in the north, they don't want them. So that's where the problem is, that Israel, in a way, has to keep them. And they they've basically keep them in Gaza, or up till now it's been in Gaza. But Israel has find, found a no effective way to guarantee that the rockets being launched out of Gaza, some are being intercepted by 
the Iron Dome system that the U.S. helped them develop and install, but not every missile is. And then this latest attack, they came over the border. So in other words, Hamas even now continues to be a threat against Israel. And so that's when Israel decides, enough, we're going to take them out. Well, the problem with that is that they're so embedded in the in the uh, more moderate Palestinian community that you really can't take them out where it's not like ethnic cleansing or genocide or a war crime. So that's the problem Israel is facing. Now, I've heard and read some reports that some of the neighboring countries really publicly are saying, Israel, you've got to stop. You're committing genocide. Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Jordan, stop doing what you're doing. And behind the scenes are telling Israel, keep it up. We don't want Hamas either. We don't want these terrorists in our country. So do what you're doing, but we're going to call you out on it publicly, even though we don't really mean it. Rare coin prices have exploded in the last three years. Hard Asset Management, one of the world's largest precious metals and rare coin dealer firms, makes recommendations on what to buy for collectors who know what they're looking for. We maintain one of the world's largest rare coin inventories for individuals seeking to diversify precious metals and rare coins. We can make strong recommendations in areas that we feel have the strongest potential for long-term growth. Call today, 844-426-4653 to receive our free rare coin newsletter or register online at bmcham.com. Free delivery and extra silver with every $10,000 bought. Use promo code 007. That's an interesting point of view, Tom, the fact that behind the scenes, there are many countries, perhaps in the Middle East, that aren't so upset with Israel. And interestingly enough, we have people who are rather ill-informed in this country that really don't understand the geopolitical um, overhaul or, or implication as to what's going on there. Listen, uh, guys, I listened to Nikki Haley in the second primary debate reference the Ukraine as a cornerstone to the United States. I could arbitrate that. That doesn't mean we shouldn't support them. It should be proportionate, which is really the fly in the ointment. They're not a cornerstone to us or a cornerstone to Europe, period. Israel is a cornerstone to the United States. Israel is an extension of Western civilization and the Middle East, and they're essential for a number of reasons. But what's really tragic about this is that we were making headway and uh, creating a better relationship between countries, for example, like Saudi Arabia and Israel. If I'm correct, Tom, and I'd like you to correct me if I'm wrong, I believe they're collaborating on a desalination plant, these two countries. Suddenly yeah, they were this... yeah, Saudi Arabia and Egypt, I mean, uh, Israel were cooperating with the Abraham Accords. And shortly before the attack on October 7th by Hamas on Israel, it was announced that Saudi Arabia was going to sign the accord with Israel and have peace with Israel. Now, that's unacceptable to the terrorists, to Hamas, to Hezbollah, to any of these groups. So part of, I think, behind the scenes was the invasion of Israel was determined to sabotage that. So Saudi Arabia then, its population rising up because they're going to support fellow Muslims. But deep down, they want Hamas destroyed also. They wanted Al Qaeda destroyed also back, you know, back in the day. So uh, a lot of what they're saying publicly. I'll give you an example. When I was Tom, running. Tom, explain to them. Explain to me your background in the Middle East, please. Yeah, I was just going to say. Thank you. When I was running international operations for the FBI, 
And we had a legal attache office in Islamabad, Pakistan. Now, back in the day, you know, we realized that after 9-11, Osama bin Laden and his people left Afghanistan, fled across the mountains into Pakistan. So they were they were kind of hiding in northern part of territories, isolated areas in Pakistan. Now, the Pakistani government, and I was involved in these discussions, and I think it's no secret now because that's 25 years ago, the Pakistani government, their, their intelligence service would give us the coordinates of where they knew some of these Al-Qaeda members and bin Laden's people were, specifically in, in the Northern Territory of Pakistan, gave us the coordinates. We bombed those areas, destroyed whatever house it was there, or whatever building, and took them out. Pakistan publicly screamed bloody murder. You have violated our sovereignty. You launched rockets on our territory and all of that. And then they, behind the scenes, they come into our embassy and say, thank you very much. They gave us the coordinates. We followed their coordinates and they were very happy that we took the action we took privately, but they couldn't say it publicly. Oh no, the United States violated our sovereignty. And behind the scenes, they're telling me, in the military, the ambassador, good job. We appreciate it. Well, I just got to say, ladies and gentlemen, the more Tom talks, the more interesting this gets. We're, we're about out of time uh, for today's podcast, our show. We're going to be right back to you with another podcast. We're going to brush up against uh, some uh, of the investigative interest of the FBI in the next show. We're also going to talk about a remedy that was used in another administration restricting access of immigrants from uh, Muslim nations that were radical. And you're going to find this really interesting to hear countries that had a lot of Muslim people that there was no restriction for them coming in. I do want to say one other thing in closing. For those of you that are watching Tom off his right shoulder, was a cuckoo clock. I oftentimes say the cuckoo was left a clock. I'm starting to wonder what the hell's going on in that room Tom's in. In any case, this has been um, Operation Truth. Um, you can contact us, Operation Truth Official at gmail.com. Please become part of this conversation, guys. We're we're working on broadening this platform. I thank you, Tom, as always, for your wisdom. When we get into this next, we're going to talk about this restriction of on immigration. We're going to talk okay. about Christopher Ray and their focus of attention, where it was as to where it should be. And you're going to find what we have to say quite interesting. Guys, thank you for joining us today. I apologize for slumping in my seat. Um, in any case, this has been Operation Truth with Tom Fuentes and Lou Palumbo. We'll see you again. Thank you, Lou. Thank you, Tom.